1: Hi, I'm Keegan and I'm Madigan and you're listening to your Your angry Angry neighborhood Neighborhood Feminist.
2: feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspectives. So it is 2019. Welcome, everybody. Yeah, welcome. We
1: wanted to start the year off talking about self care. Yeah, you know, I feel like that's on people's minds a lot at the start of the year. Because it's kind of a reset button. People are starting over, trying to reevaluate where their lives are and what they're trying to do. So I thought it was a good time to talk about this subject because it's something that people talk about a lot. I know we do. We have Self-Care Sunday where we, you know, post about Uh self-care on our Instagram page. And I think it's almost the butt of a lot of jokes.
2: Well, I was actually going to bring up... First and foremost, an Instagram post that we made on New Year's Day that had a comment on it that really made me mad that I wanted to talk about a little bit, so... I found this post from that was actually posted by Carolyn Coston, who I talked about episodes past, mm-hmm. who is an eating disorder professional. And she wrote revised New Year's resolutions. Well, she didn't make this. Somebody else did, but she posted it. Right, which I, I did credit them on the post. I know I felt really bad, but no, that was fine. There was no credit on there. I felt no, really okay. horrible. But instead of eat less, it says eat what I want. Instead of count calories, it says count laughs and smiles. Instead of limit carbs, it says limit negative. Negative thinking. Instead of start a diet, start unpacking your fat phobia. Instead of work off the holiday sweets, it says work on loving your body. Instead of lose weight, it says lose self-hate. Instead of drop a size, it says drop toxic relationships. And instead of do a detox, it says do acts of self-care. And we got a comment from somebody who was saying that we were promoting an unhealthy lifestyle. And we got a lot of comments on a post that we did a few weeks ago about after um, the Victoria's Secret fashion show. hmm a group of women who were of all different sizes and abilities in front of Victoria's Secret posing in nude-colored underwear Um, It was one of those posts that we got a lot of traction on and also a lot of... I think it was our second most liked... Of the year. Of the year, according to our top nine. And it got a lot of really, really hateful comments. And we got got a comment on the post that I just mentioned as well, talking about how we were promoting an, an unhealthy lifestyle. And it was something for me that I think it's good to remember that while if you're in a place in your life where you are able to count calories in a healthy way or able to do a detox in a healthy way, I think it's always good to remember why you're doing those things and making sure that at the end of the day, you are taking care of yourself and it is a, an act of self-care rather than a form of punishment for the way that you've been behaving over the holidays or the way that you feel you've been eating. It's always very important to remind yourself of those things. And I really feel that a lot of the posts that we make are not to be discouraging the people that do act in those ways and mm-hmm. you know have those, that type of lifestyle, but more in a way to promote self-care. And instead of putting your importance on counting calories or detoxes or weighing yourselves, to always remember to weigh the more important things in your lives and to be able to have connection with yourself and true self-care. So for me, that's kind of what this episode is all about. I mean, and also I think it's
1: important to evaluate and recognize that self-care is different for everybody. Yeah. And for some people, exercise and, you know, doing certain things with their body may be a form of self-care for them, of and that's course. fine. And we in no way are discouraging anybody from no. leading whatever kind of lifestyle they want to lead as long as they're doing it in a conscious and healthy way. Exactly. That's that's part of self-care. Exactly. Um I think we really have to like take everything that these people say on our Instagrams with a grain of salt. Because I, I think that most of the time it's trolls trolling yeah. and less like people actually upset or offended. But I know yeah, that it's there, difficult. It like, gets under our skin.
2: There are certain things for me, especially <laughs> when it comes to, to it that triggers. with. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's especially just because of the things that I've been through in my yeah, life. of course. And, and, and posting that because of, you know, the person that I admire so much. Um, feeling like I needed to kind of defend myself, right. defend this person, yeah. things like that, but I felt like I needed to respond well, and pe- to it in some people way. People are being
1: intentionally obtuse when they yeah. read things like that. They're just trying to start a fight because yeah. you read that and you clearly know that the intentions behind it, what what those intentions are, and that those intentions yeah. are positive.
2: Yeah, and I, I just want our listeners and our Instagram followers to always know that we are never chastising anybody's way of life, but yet wanting everybody to take a look at the way that they live their lives. It's like anything else. To analyze it and make sure that you're making the best choices for yourself. Yeah, absolutely.
1: So I feel like self-care, it has kind of become a joking term, Mm -hmm. which I have a lot of fun with. I think it's very funny. Like when we see all yeah. these things that are like, you know, take a take a bubble bath, do a face mask, rob a bank, leave your husband, start a new life, self-care. <laughs> self-care. I, I think that those memes are hilarious. Great. I think they're really funny. And in some ways, it, I think it's become kind of a difficult issue for some people. Like today, I just saw there's this quote by uh Audrey Lord that says caring for myself is not self-indulgence it is self-preservation and that is an act of political warfare yeah. which is fantastic and amazing and and true it's yeah. like caring for yourself and we'll get into this a little bit later yeah. as we as we're talking is a revolutionary act especially as women and, and yeah. we'll discuss that but i did see another meme today that was just like i don't understand how you guys could read that audrey lord quote and think that self-care means face masks and But it means different
2: things for different people. Right.
1: And it can mean all of those things at once. Like, it can mean all of those things at the same time. And I think we need to not be so contentious about, like, self-care doesn't mean bubble bath. Stop saying that that's what it means. And clearly, that's not everything that it means. I mean,
2: honestly, for me, a lot of times it does mean a bubble bath. I mean, I am one of those people, and I, I always blame it on me being an only child. I have what I call Maddie time. I need Maddie's time. Well, I think everyone needs every that. Every day. But i have it's funny because before I even really knew what the term self-care was or anything like that, I remember being quite young, like in middle school, and I'd be at home and I'd be with my parents and I'd be like, I just need some Maddie time. And I would always take a bubble bath, read a book, draw, watch a little bit of Friends. You know, and that was the time that I really needed to be by myself to recharge. Right. I've had a particularly kind of... Like it hasn't really been a stressful work week if you would were to look at it from an outsider's perspective, but for me it's been a very emotionally taxing week, and I haven't had a lot of time for myself to really recharge, to be with myself, to in, to look introspectively and look at what's going on inside of me and why I'm feeling that way, and I realized that I really haven't had that time for self care that I usually will make sure that i have every single day because i know that for me i need it
1: yeah that's the amount of time that you personally need for yourself yeah
2: even if it's just an hour you know there are things that i that i know that i have known for a very long time that i really really need and i think it's i think it's something for all of us that we tend to be very busy and want to be very busy we live in a very competitive culture where we want to be the person doing the most being the busiest being the most tired being the most stressed and it's become this competition Mm -hmm. where we need to also take that time to realize that whatever we're doing is enough and to take a step back to really look inside of ourselves to Find a place of peace and take care of ourselves.
1: Yeah, we really need to end. Um, and I'm going to talk about this a little bit later on as well. I have some statistics to break down. I got you, I, girl. I, I want to talk about self care in relation to feminism and women, but also. As Americans, we're Americans. I know we have a lot of international listeners, so hello. Um, <laughs> but as Americans in particular, America has this very workaholic personality. Yeah. Where we're one of... We're the only country that's yeah. part of the um, developed world, quote unquote developed world, that that does not require vacations. It's, like, an employer yeah. is not... Re- it's, we're the only country in the developed world that does not require that the employer offer the employee paid vacations. We're the only ones.
0: Yeah. Because we
1: have, and so often Americans feel guilty about taking vacations because it's, we're in such a competitive society that we feel like if we take a vacation, maybe we could be putting our job in jeopardy. And so we don't want to do that. We want to always be pushing to get ahead. And in doing so we're, Far more stressed out than we would be otherwise. Our, yeah. The burnout level is far higher. Yeah. And not just in the workplace, but also you see that in school culture a lot where you almost have this sense of pride in being like, I didn't sleep last night. Yeah. I was up all night yeah. studying. I, well, and that's
2: burnout. And it it's interesting because I was just having a conversation with my mom. So I have two adopted cousins from Korea. One of them, when he was in his early 20s, went back to kind of you know learn about his culture and he ended up meeting this amazing woman and they got married and they have two children, and they've um, divided their time between Korea and America. And they've been living in Korea for most of their childs most of their children's childhoods. and they have decided to come to the US because their eldest daughter, it's just really the school system there is just very, very intense. And the way that the parents tend to parent is very intense. And even speaking with um, my cousin's wife, you know, it's always like she has to be the best. She has to give 100 percent. There needs it needs to be perfection. She's a swimmer. She's super smart. And everything that she does has to be 100 percent. So I think while, yes, America definitely has that as well. There are a lot of other parts of the world that really do demand perfection.
1: Well, I know that Japan, the suicide rate among amongst young people is very high yeah, because of that, that very competitive nature amongst students. Yeah. Um... But the word that I was looking for when I was talking about us being the only country that doesn't allow for vacation time, paid vacation time for our employees, or it's not a mandatory thing that's given, um, it's the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, which is an intergovernmental economic organization with 36 member countries founded in 1961 to stimulate economic progress and world trade. So of these countries we are the only one and these other countries include like France, Finland, Norway, Sweden, Austria, Por- uh, Portugal, Spain, Italy, Belgium, Germany, Denmark, Australia, New Zealand, Ireland, Greece, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, the United Kingdom, Canada, Japan. Uh-huh. We are the only country where we don't value personal time. Yeah. In the same way as these other countries. Yeah, do.
2: it's it's very weird because even as somebody who I feel like what I do as being a nanny can sometimes be seen as not a real job, which is an issue. Um, But it's very hard for me to speak up for my needs and my wants in my job. Um, I worked way over time this week and I was exhausted and I finally just had to be like, look... I need to go home. It was a really long time. They were having a party. They weren't worried about me or what I was doing, and I was just like, I really need to go home. Well, and it's but I felt so guilty saying that because I feel like it's part of my job to take care of not only the child but the family and make sure that what they want and need that that's met. And I think sometimes when you
1: work in a competitive field like. Either as an actor, whenever you're doing something, as an actor, as a podcaster, I'm just going to speak from my personal experience. As an actor, as a podcaster, as an artist, as somebody who kind of has to hustle themselves, um, you feel like if you're not working, you're never going to get ahead. And also as someone who has worked in a very corporate environment and has done, you know... 75-hour work weeks, 80-hour work weeks in a very corporate environment in an office. You do those things because you feel like if you do not work that overtime, you will not be able to climb that ladder. Exactly. You you will not get get, ahead.
2: You want to get promoted. You want to be seen as the ideal worker. Right, There's because you're, perception you're that disposable you
1: in yeah. in some ways. If you don't want to do the work, they'll find somebody who will work that 80-hour work week. Exactly. You know what I mean? And that's something and
2: so, that I feel like is really ingrained in us in a lot of absolutely. ways. I mean, I even remember being a... Competitive skater, growing up and having that same mentality where it's like, well, that other girl is working even harder than I am, so she's going to get all to the compare, mm-hmm. I need to work just as hard, while at the same time I'm also doing off ice school, all these other things. Where it's like, but I want to be the best, so I ha- I can't be tired, I can't be sick, right. I have to continually, right, push to be the hardest working person out there. Yeah, I mean, and you and I have had this conversation because I
1: like to be busy. I feel like I'm not doing enough if I'm not busy. Like, I have two podcasts, and I'm researching, doing research for another project right Mm now. Um, I'm doing, I'm working full-time and doing all these other things. And it really doesn't allow very
2: much time at all, like, for myself. (laughs) And listeners, I tell Keegan to slow it down a lot. Yeah,
1: I mean, (laughs) because I I, I don't allow a lot of time. Like, I was just telling you my schedule for the weekend, and I've, I've created opportunities, but at the same time, when you're creating opportunities, it means time. It means less time for yourself. Yeah. And that can start to feel guilty. Like, the day after New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, I went out New Year's Eve. We partied hard. I'm telling you, New Year's Day, I barely got off the couch. I think I was on the couch, like... 15 hours. Like, seriously, I didn't get off the couch, and I started to feel kind of guilty about that. But Mm -hmm. then I had to take a step back and realize, you know what? Actually, me sitting on this couch and watching Netflix all day was my self-care. Like, this is what I needed.
2: And that's the thing is that people joke about taking a bubble bath or watching TV as self-care, not really being self-care, but it really does mean something different for everybody. It does. And Bubble baths
1: definitely do it for me. Face masks do it for me. Something that painting my nails does it for yeah. me anything
2: that's well, like and this is the thing when we I feel like talking about self-care very much goes into the same realm as talking about mental health yeah because self-care really is taking care an emotional of your mental health. health and emotional health mm-hmm. so I started watching a TED talk today and he was talking about the same thing that we talked about when we did our mental health episode where it's like if you scrape your knee You go to the bathroom, you put a Band-Aid on your knee, Mm -hmm. you put some Neosporin on it, whatever you have to do, nobody's going to second-guess you taking care of your scraped knee. Doing the same thing with your emotional health or your mental health tends to be a very different story. If you're saying, I need to take a day to recharge, to reset, to do something for myself, that's often seen as lazy, Mm -hmm. selfish, all of these things, and... It's also very much tied with being less than. And there's lots of reasons why people can tend to need, you know, some sort of self-care, whether it be loneliness or rejection, all these feelings that we have that we're told. We shouldn't necessarily feel where she just push them away, move past them, keep moving forward because there's better things ahead of us. Instead mm-hmm. of really feeling the feelings that we have, taking the time to take care of ourselves for those feelings rather than just pushing them aside. Well, I didn't even know
1: until I was an adult working in a corporate environment, I didn't know that there was such a thing as a mental health day. Like, I yeah. didn't understand I that it was that's... was a joke. My mom,
2: in high school, there was one day where I just was not doing well. My mom was like, You can take a mental health day. And I was like, I had
1: no idea that that was because the way that we talk about mental health in this country is just beginning to change. Mm -hmm. I feel like our childhoods. For sure, it was not something that was kind of, like, openly talked about and accepted. Yeah. Um, Mental and emotional health was definitely not considered anything uh, as important as physical health.
2: And I feel like that's where, like, my... Parents really got it right. Because I I struggled a lot with panic attacks and depression at a very, very young age, where I think a lot of parents probably could have pushed that aside and seen it as moodiness or things like that. Mm-hmm. Where I remember my mom telling me to take a mental health day when I was very, very young. I feel very fortunate to yeah. have had yeah. parents.
1: Because as a whole, we're very much that. Yeah, we're very much a pick yourself up by your bootstrap society. Yeah. Like America is definitely that way. I would yeah. say like a lot of Western countries, you know, in, in Britain they talk about. That like stiff upper lip, like yeah, that very keep your shit together kind yeah. of thing.
2: When truly, that's not always possible for everyone. And by not going to work, like I feel like if I'm a complete mess, I you I'd don't rather want me at work. Break down at work, Like keep me at home. Let right, me, let me like lose my shit for a little bit and take care of myself, and then I'll be back at work better than ever tomorrow. Well. Absolutely.
1: In fact, it benefits not only the employee, but also the employer in the long run to allow people to have this kind of vacation time because studies show that workers who take time off are more productive after their batteries are recharged. They have higher morale and are less likely to mentally check out on the job. This means more output per worker, enough to compensate employers for the cost of hiring additional workers to cover for everyone's three weeks vacation time. So... It's really, it's a benefit for everyone. You don't want me there. I guarantee you, whenever I am checked out and resentful of yeah. the fact that, like, I have not had enough time to myself uh, for this reason or that reason or the other, I am more likely to be unproductive. Yeah. Even if I'm present, yeah. I'm unproductive. Whereas, I was talking to my coworker, um... Because, you know, I'll share this with listeners. My grandfather just passed away. He passed away on Saturday. It was really difficult for Mm -hmm. me. I'm going to be going out of town um, this next week. But it made me think of when my grandmother passed away. Luckily now, I work for a company that gives bereavement time. So I get paid time off for three days to go and go to the funeral and, and do all of that. But when my grandmother passed away, I was working as a contractor. And I got the news at work, in the office, at oh WB, gosh. and I, this just goes to show our mentality, I was sobbing and, like, went back to my computer to work. Yeah,
2: and because you feel like you're supposed to push that right, down and, con- right. and continue to persevere forward.
1: And my, one of my bosses at the time actually, like, came over to me, he, like, sat down next to me, and he said, nobody expects you to be here today go home. I'll fill in the hours on your timesheet. Mm-hmm. I'll pay, which was unheard of yeah. for for a contractor at that time because yeah. you you didn't get paid time off at all.
2: Well, and that wouldn't even be my train of thought. You know, I have the same thing. I went through a horrible breakup where I had nowhere to live and felt like my whole life was falling apart at the end of the summer. And I just felt like my life is completely in shambles right now and as my mom would say i have to put on my big girl panties and deal with it Mm -hmm. and like it's not the death it's not the same thing but there i'm glad that if i were to have an experience like that that there is something out there where well it makes you understands it it makes you more grateful because the
1: company didn't understand it my boss did yeah and he did something he wasn't supposed to do, which was oh. to... I mean, you're not supposed to do that. He filled in the hours as if I was at work all day. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, Because as a contractor, you don't get paid time off at all. You don't get vacation oh. time. You don't get sick days. You don't get anything. If you're not there, you don't get paid. Yeah. So he was just like, I will fill in your hours for eight hours today. Go home. But what that did was it made... It gave me the time that I needed to go home and cry yeah. and sleep and be sad and when I went back to work, I was so much more grateful and willing to work.
2: Well, and the fact that your boss had such empathy. Right. You were going back He's to a great job guy. where you knew that you were safe. supported. Yeah, yeah. And safe. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's something that I am very thankful for in the job that I have. Yeah. Is that they, and they have been so receptive to all those things. But we do have, you know, when we feel like our lives are falling apart, we do have this sense of, Feeling like we have to push through anyways, and... Which is very detrimental to your
1: mental health. Like, for me, what self-care meant for me in that moment, and what self-care meant for me on Saturday, both times, like, when I lost both my grandparents, what self-care meant for me was, and everyone handles it differently, but for me, it meant I needed to be home alone to grieve. Yep. I didn't want to be around anybody. I, you know, people were calling me, they were asking if they could come over, you know, and I was just like... Thank no, you, thank you very no. much, but, like, I just want to yep. be alone with my thoughts and cry, and that's what I needed. You know what I actually did when I when I found out my grandpa passed away? It was, I poured myself, and listen, there's a lot of talk about whether or not alcohol should be a part of self-care. Use your better judgment.
2: Yeah.
1: But it was 11 a.m., and I did run a bubble bath and pour myself a glass of wine and get in the oh, bathtub. Oh,
2: girl. Oh, y- girl. If I've got a day off... I mean, we are speaking as two women that do not have drinking problems. Right. Very different from your own better judgment, possibly. But I've had times where I'm like, you know what? I don't care what time it is. I'm going to pour myself a little glass of wine. I'm going to take a bubble bath. I'm going to do a face mask. And I'm going to watch a TV show I've seen a million times. Mm-hmm. And just have something yeah. on so that I can get through the day. Th- that's what and I, I needed. I don't think there's anything wrong with in that. that as moment. As long as you're handling your alcohol in a healthy manner check in with yourself definitely
1: check in with yourself but what i needed in that moment was something that could bring me a little bit of comfort two things that brought me a little bit of comfort which was a little bit of wine and a bathtub and a podcast like that's what i needed you know definitely um Okay, so let's talk a little bit about what self-care means in relation to feminism. Yeah. So I read this incredible article by, and Bustle articles to me are kind of hit and miss, Mm -hmm. but this was a Bustle article by a person called J.R. Thorpe, and it was called Why Self-Care is an Important Feminist Act. And in it, they define self-care, and this definition is from Dr. Christine Minky. At okay. Psychology Today, and she defines it not as self-indulgence or self-pampering, but choosing behaviors that balance the effects of emotional or physical stressors. So it's a way to kind of, like, if you picture it as, like, a video game where your energy stores are kind of depleting, Yeah, it's basically a way to rebalance... That effect and kind of like up your energy if you're kind of in a place where your energies yeah. are different. I mean, and diff- I think
2: that if we're thinking of it in like a physical aspect too, it's like, you know, the Snickers commercials where it's like, you're not you and you're hungry. Exactly. It's that same thing where, you know, we have those. Necessities of you know food, water, sleep, things like that. Which even sleep, a lot of people are like, you don't need sleep. I sleep is is self care. I sleep sleep is self care. Like I used to work fifteen hours a day and blah blah blah. Good for fucking you, dude. Like you know. Did I ever tell you about the other? Nanny that came one day and was like, "I worked 127 hours this week, and you're telling me you're tired." No, I That's was like, "That's not
1: healthy." And though. I'm like,
2: "Why are we even comparing this?" Like, no, my tiredness has nothing to do with how many hours you've. Ro- I'd worked like 57 hours that Literally, week. Literally, the two things have, have nothing like, to do with each other. I can tell you that I'm tired. You don't have to go, like, making this a competition and tell me, oh, I did so much better than you. What's your problem? Right. Like, I don't understand that. Yeah. And that's happened to me so much in jobs, too, where it's like, oh, I used to work this many hours a day on this many hours of sleep, and I would only get one meal a day in this. And I'm like want a cookie? Like, congratulations. Pin a rose on your nose. What do you want from me? You know? It's
1: dumb. So, I never thought about this, but in this article, they kind of talk about self-care as it relates to people who are working in activism. Yeah. Because I know whenever... I've been kind of lacking in this respect because I have so many other things going on, but whenever I was very involved and active in, you know, an activism, it does become easy to wrap yourself completely in that Mm -hmm. and absorb a lot of maybe negative information, negative news. Not only that, but also you're you're expending a lot of energy... Uh, whether it be, like, physical energy, mental
2: energy, on this thing that can be very emotionally taxing. Yeah, both of us are very empathetic people Mm -hmm. as well, so I feel like when we, you know, I mean, I think about when we were doing our um, mini-episode about Brett Kavanaugh, and we both had to take a couple times to stop and recollect ourselves, where there's a lot of stuff going on in the world, and especially when you're in any form of activism, where... We feel things, as I'm sure a lot of our listeners do, feel things very, very deeply, and it becomes very overwhelming, and it is hard to separate yourself from the things that you're
1: Well, and it can be very difficult to walk that line between... I know some people who think of self-care as completely staying out of ever looking at or reading bad news. uh, Because that's their form of self-care in order to preserve themselves. For me personally, I don't think that that is
2: the that correct seemed, route to take. Because, I mean, sorry, I feel like that's kind of ignorance. Well, but whatever. it's, <laughs>
1: it's, well, but it's safe. I understand it. And yeah. also I, because we understand how emotionally taxing it is. I get that. However, I don't think you can be completely blind to these issues that are happening because it doesn't stop them from happening. You're not making any kind of difference by doing that. But I do think that there is a line to be walked between being so involved in it that it's to your detriment and ignoring it completely. Like, you have to be able to walk that line. Yes,
2: exactly. I mean, something, and I know you're going further into what you're saying, but something that I've done since starting this podcast you know i've I've tried to keep up with events before the podcast but now we do a what's in the news episode every week Mm -hmm. so i found that by reading a lot of articles throughout the week tends to be a little bit overwhelming for Mm -hmm. me so a lot of times what i'll do is i'll like screenshot different Mm -hmm. things that i want to remember and i'll put it into a folder on my phone so then when we're doing the episode i can go through i can i don't have to read all of them i can pick and choose the ones that are most important to me or the ones that i really want to talk about right And then I can go back and really divulge. So I know what's going on, but I don't have to fully divulge into every single horrible, awful thing that's going on in the world. And again, different people are different, and your form of
1: activism doesn't have to look like somebody else's. Exactly. If you get panic attacks and have high anxiety being surrounded by a lot of people, you don't have to go march. Like, that doesn't have to be your form of activism. That doesn't make you find a different way. Yeah, that doesn't
2: make your activism lesser. Right, you
1: can find a different way to be involved. Yeah. But everyday feminism actually has a guide for activists to keep them strong and healthy while they're, like, fighting the good fight, which I think is super important and something Mm -hmm. that if you are wondering how to how to maintain that balance, maybe go to Everyday Feminism and kind of do a search for, like, self-care and see yeah. what pops up. Because I do think it's something that needs to be called out and is very important, especially yeah. when we're talking about feminist causes that can be very emotionally taxing. It's weird
2: because I didn't really even think about that when Me we neither. were researching this, this episode because it's like... It's something for me that I, especially now that we do this show, it feels like it very is, it very much is part of my job to stay informed and things like that. But I don't even really think about how it affects me in my day-to-day life, unless it's something that's obviously really, really, you know, traumatic and stuff that we're talking about. But I never even really thought about it being something that somebody would even write an article about. You know, it's interesting. Yeah,
1: I mean, I think it's also, I think what we do is, is important and I think it's emotionally exhausting. But I think... Also, for people who are doing a lot of the in the streets physical activism oh, yeah. where they're putting themselves in between, like face to oh, face with yeah. a lot of this like stuff. Like we
2: said, we're soft news. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we are soft news. We're, I'm not comparing myself sure. to anybody like that, but it's just interesting. I never really like thought yeah, about it yeah. in that way. Yeah,
1: me neither. This article also really pointed out things to me that I had never really thought about in mm-hmm. relation to why self care is a feminist subject. And yeah. they really pointed out that women have traditionally and historically been caretakers. Yeah. And that role doesn't allow a lot of space for you to take care of yourself. It really uh-huh. doesn't. Like, your role is to be a wife or a mother. You're either taking care of children or you're taking care of men. Yeah. Even as a child, a lot of the times for women, especially growing up in a very Christian society or christian household you're still environment expected
2: to take care of those people you're
1: expected to take care of your brothers and your father yeah. like at a young age at mm-hmm. least in kind of the society that
2: i was raised up in well and i think even as we've gone through the generations when it came to women in the workforce women were still expected to work but also come home and still have those same responsibilities where right exactly
1: I, I was actually having a conversation with a co-worker today who Um, She lives here, and Mm -hmm. her husband lives in San Francisco, and she will fly up there every weekend or every other weekend. Mm -hmm. And when she's there, he expects her to take care of the home. And I'm like, but you have, you have two apartments. Like, technically, that's You guys are married. I understand that. But that's his home. Yeah. So why... That he lives in throughout the week alone. Yeah. So why, when you're there, does he expect you to do all of the physical labor for his apartment? And isn't it
2: crazy that, like, my, like, new boyfriend, when he does take care of the house, I feel like I need to thank him a thousand times because that's literally never happened to me before. I'm like, you did dishes? You are god. I think that that's crazy (laughs) to me because
1: my i realize how lucky i am but my relationship is so different than that like anthony does the majority of the cleaning like yeah. i do all of the cooking exactly but he does the majority of the cleaning but
2: i'm not used to that and yeah like, i have that now and i'm like wait yeah yeah but, like i have to catch myself because i feel i mean clearly so thankful i want him to always know how appreciative i am for him and what he does but it's like Wait a second. But you're a grown man who lives in this apartment. So, I like, know. you should
1: be doing these exactly. things. You know, we should have those expectations. So, I took this from the article. It says, in this context, the notion of saying, I'm taking care of myself now is a pretty rebellious act because it works against generations of cultural training that women's first responsibility is the emotional and practical care of others and that they should be shamed as bad or neglectful if they take time for themselves, their careers, and their health. Yeah. That you should be putting everybody else in your life for
2: you and I know, but people are also very much, um, you know. That's what they always say. Oh, she never thought of herself. She always thought of so others. selfless. Yeah, so selfless. And we and we all want to be that person that everybody thinks of as being so great. You know. Yeah. So of it course. Can feel very selfish. I feel like that is very often a female trait. And not to
1: say that it doesn't happen for men. I think that there are a lot of selfless men out there. And I think to some degree, being selfless is a positive thing to Mm -hmm. do. However, I don't think you can fully be present for anybody else if you're not being present for yourself and you're not showing
2: up for yourself. I'm a straight up bitch if I don't get my time.
1: Yeah. And (laughs) no... (laughs)
2: <laughs> I'm Real. like, yes. Um, no. but, yeah, Madigan. Oh my God. Straight I wasn't bitch. going to say anything, but. Oh my when my mom was in town and like, I, I'm i living in a studio apartment with a boyfriend and my mom and a dog and then she has her dog and. It's too, ma- too many people. It's a lot. Yeah. And Max was staying at his sister's house taking care of her dog. So like there was some space and things like that. But I was just like, everything my mom said and did for a while, I was just like. I'm going to lose my mind. And, like, one day she just went out, ran her own errands, did her own thing, and I had a few hours at home, and I was a completely different person. I was like, I just needed to take care of myself and stop for a little bit, and then I felt so much better. Yeah, and I think that that's very often the case.
1: I mean, I see a lot, especially in older generations, um housewives or, you know, people in particular, mothers, grandmothers, who do spend all of their time taking care of others and never taking care of themselves. And we wonder
2: why the housewives go crazy sometimes. And it
1: manifests, (laughs) like, all the negative emotions manifest in one way or another.
2: It has to go somewhere. The energy goes somewhere. And we're taught not to express those emotions and things like that, too, to make sure everything is very, very calm. So if if we don't have any outlet of anywhere to put that... Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not going to be pretty. Well, it's very detrimental
1: to your emotional yeah. health. Yeah. Like, not just your mental health. It's bad for your mental health, yes. Yeah. But it's also bad for your emotional health. Yeah. Because you need time to recharge because that energy goes somewhere. It's It, it still exists there. Yeah. It just it goes somewhere else, you yeah. know? You need to be able to put that back into yourself. Yeah. So... They say, in regards to emotional health in this Bustle article, while reading the emotions of others seems to be something women are educated to do, there appears to be a biological basis for the idea that women react more poorly to negative emotional stimuli like shame, embarrassment, or rejection. In other words, the negative impacts of emotions are a serious matter for women, a very real one. Taking care of ourselves is not a matter of weakness or sensitivity. It's the reality of being in the world. So... I know it can become kind of, like, tricky and iffy when we start talking about biological differences between men and women. And yeah. we can kind of have a debate as to whether or not this is nature or nurture when yeah. it comes to why women react more negatively to negative input. What do you think input. I mean, I'm willing to look at the biological data. I haven't looked at that to yeah. see if there is something. Maybe but what's, there, like, your the first instinct? Higher levels of... of some chemical, which yeah. is possible, my first instinct is to say it's something that we learned. It's a learned yeah. behavior.
2: That's kind of how I think... I mean, I'm sure I'm, if there's biological studies done on it, like, I'm I'd, I'd not educated on it, and I know that there must be something out there that does, but I feel like, you know... If you look back even to caveman times, you know, you see, like, the men hunt, the women gather. There's certain things that we've been taught since the beginning of time that I feel like women have very much learned through the years. Well, and
1: it's something that we talked about before that I did read, whether it was this article or another article when reading about self-care, I did read something that said that because women, and this is, this slices both ways, and Mm -hmm. then we've talked about how, oh, it was Red Pill, I think, where we were talking about how detrimental it is to men. Uh, that they have not been socialized to express their emotions. Right. Because women have been so socialized to express their emotions, uh-huh. we feel more open to express our emotions, and I think that that makes us more sensitive emotionally. Yeah. Because we're more in touch with what's happening to us right. emotionally.
2: Well, and it's interesting that you mentioned that, because I wanted to kind of, as we were talking, you know, we were talking a lot of about women and self-care, and I feel like it's important, to to mention... Um, When it comes to men with self-care, because Mm -hmm. I feel like men as well have a expectation to be able to handle stress and work and busy lives in a certain way and and to definitely not show any emotion as much as women feel like we have to suppress what we feel and keep our chin up and go on with our day and do things, I feel like it's really, it has been expected for men to do so right. just it, it as cuts much if in not more. A, it cuts in a different way. Yes. I
1: feel like women have been expected to take on others' emotional labor yes. far more than men have. However, I feel like women have also been allowed to express their emotions far more than men have. So Right, and a lot of
2: men are not taught how to healthily express their emotions. Right. Yeah. And I think that it's important for any male listeners to know that you are also being thought of. <laughs> Um, and it's important to for I feel like men don't have as many like you know if you were to Google self care it's a lot of very feminine like, feminine things traditionally that, feminine
1: things right exactly
2: yeah. I mean men can do bubble baths and facials and pedicures and or whatever maybe you that's do. not what self care is for you like exactly. if if self care is
1: going on a hike by yourself, maybe, or if Watching self-care is... a
2: football is, game. Or,
1: you know, lifting some weights. If that's what self-care is for you as a man or a woman, that's yeah. totally something that Definitely. can be self-care. But I
2: feel like it's something that is not labeled the same. Right, absolutely. So I feel like um, that's still a really important thing to mention yeah, the, because... Yeah, the term self-care has been very feminized. It's very feminized. Yeah. And I feel like that's something that, as feminists, and as a feminist podcast, we can't turn a blind eye to the fact that we are inclusive to anybody and that finding self care doesn't just mean buying some makeup and going shopping if that's what's you know right a typically right. feminine thing to do or whatever you know it can be whatever you want it to be and, and I, to know that it's still important.
0: I is do just want to as talk
2: about for them as it is a- for us.
1: Absolutely, I do want to talk about the label self care in the ways that it's been used kind of irresponsibly. Right. So when we say and trust me. Shopping is definitely a form of self-care for me. Like I said, having a glass of wine... Retail
2: therapy? Yes. Fuck yeah.
1: Having a glass of wine after a long day, definitely self-care for me. However, I think that we need to be careful about not using self-care as an excuse for irresponsible behavior. Because I I think a lot of people kind of do that. They use it as an excuse to avoid their responsibilities. Yeah. And to participate in irresponsible behavior.
2: Exactly. It, it's the same thing with what we were talking about with alcohol, where it's like having a glass of wine can be a form of self-care. It's when that glass of wine becomes more... That or when it, it is- stops you from... From feeling or... Or
1: or participating in your responsibilities, you know.
2: That's when it becomes a a problem. Yeah,
1: so we just wanted to point that out really quickly because I know that that has been a critique of people being like, self-care! Like, I can just ignore all of my homework and go home and... Put a face mask on and, you know. Yeah.
2: No, it's good. It's good to have balance. You know, yes, I feel like absolutely. for me when I'm really busy and I don't have a whole lot of time, bubble baths are a good way because I absolutely. can't stay in there for too long. Of it's course, hot. it's cold. So it's a good... Oh, I just get too hot. Oh. i like, this water is like... I stay in the water till it gets cold. <laughs> oh, I get into a steaming bath and then mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I'm sweating too much. I have to get out. But I will usually go in with a small glass of wine, mm-hmm. a book. Mm-hmm. I'll read a chapter of my book. I'll get out and then I'll go and do the thing that I have to do. It's a good reset. That's a good reset button yeah. for me. Also, a short nap. Good reset oh, button. Totally. For me. If I started my day out wrong, just get me in bed for an hour. Right, give me a quick nap. I'm gonna wake up and I'm gonna feel like it's a new day. I can start everything over. Right, where I, it's important to still do the things that you're expecting. I read to do a few
1: things that basically said that like self care does not equal self indulgence. Like yeah. it's not the same thing. It can be. It can be an indulgent
2: experience, but yeah. it's not
1: the same thing. Um, so I think that that's just something
2: that's like kind of important to right. point out. And different things can be applied to different situations in life too, where it's like if you're. If you have the money or the time and your self-care is to go buy yourself something nice or to buy some new makeup or do whatever you're going to do, then I think that's fine. But if that is hurting your lifestyle, right? Like for me, when yeah. I buy things I don't need sometimes and I'm like, I shouldn't have done that, then that can be detrimental.
1: Right. And also, self-care can also be some very practical things. Like yeah. I actually think that budgeting, scheduling, being more organized, cleaning out your closet, those can all be forms of self-care. Cleaning in general can be a
2: form of (laughs) self-care. You know what I do when I'm anxious as fuck? Clean. Clean my house. Yeah. Pick up everything. Yeah,
1: that can be a form of self-care. Something as small as really being conscious of what you're consuming, whether that's media or food or sleep or lack of sleep. Yeah. Those are all very practical forms of self-care. It's just being conscious of, like, I don't need to stay awake until 3 a.m. and get up at 6 a.m. Like, maybe I do need to take care of myself and go to bed at 10 p.m. so that I can function (laughs) at an emotionally, like, high level.
2: Yeah, I think, you know... There's the people that take self-care too far and they take it into self-indulgence, but then there's also the people who, like, we kind of started the podcast saying how important it is in comparison even to physical health and to make sure that your emotional and mental health are being nurtured the same way if you had a broken leg and you're not supposed to walk on it. Yes. If there's something wrong in your life, you can't ignore it. You can't just push it away. You have to face it head on. Yeah. And you have to make sure that you are nurturing yourself in a way that is healthy and that is beneficial to you at the end of the Absolutely. day. Absolutely. And on kind of piggybacking on
1: that, there's one more point that I really wanted to make, mm-hmm. and that was classism within yeah. self-care. And I was reading this story, tweet i think it was like a tweet thread that someone had posted about how much we look down upon and we talked about this a bit in our homelessness episode yeah but people who are lower income or poverty or you know maybe on the verge of poverty and when they talk about doing something nice for themselves it's very often shamed Uh um as being like well, you sh- We almost expect poor people to not have anything nice, yeah, or do anything nice, or to for work themselves. really hard all the time. And yeah, not, yeah, you know. yeah. Until you have a middle class income, you shouldn't go to a movie, or you yeah. shouldn't buy a face mask. Yeah.
2: Why would Why would you go to a movie when you have to put food on the table? Yeah. How dare How things? dare yeah. you?
1: You know what I mean. Whenever middle class people talk about self care, it's very much often like we're back there, like Yas when yeah. they're doing that. You know what I mean? <laughs> Seriously, yeah. but. Whenever we see lower-income people talk about the things that they do for self-care, especially if it's a monetary thing, something that involves spending any amount of money, they are very often shamed for that. And what we need to understand is, yes, there are many forms of self-care that don't involve spending money. However, they would want to do it for the same reasons we want to do it. Yeah. Because buying something a little nice for yourself makes you feel better. Going out to eat somewhere that like you love, getting something that you love to eat makes you feel a little bit better. Putting a face mask on makes you feel a little bit better. So again, yes, don't be irresponsible with your self-care, but also realize that people who are lower income also deserve to have moments To recharge emotionally and mentally. and to
2: chastise others for the way that they choose to take care of themselves, no, wonder, no, no matter their class or anything else. Right.
1: If they wanted to use one of their food stamps to buy a cake mix instead yeah. of an apple, yeah, <laughs> that's okay that's every choice. now and again,
2: because just sometimes like, you need that. Just like any other class makes those right, choices. Right, right. You know sometimes I, mean?
1: I make completely frivolous choices. Sometimes yeah. I go to Ulta and I'm like, did I need another eyeshadow palette? No, I didn't. But you know what? No one's going to chastise me for that, even though financially it was irresponsible of me. Yeah. Like, I don't need that. But because I have the money to do it, no one's going to chastise me for right. that. Right, right. You know, it's... It, it's examined on a completely different scale i feel like
2: getting my nails done That's am like my one thing that i'm getting I, mine on sunday my only thing like i don't wear a lot of makeup i don't get glitzed up on a day-to-day basis but the one thing that makes me feel like i am a person is just getting my nails did it's nothing special they're not long, they're not glitzy, they're not anything. But just having my nails done makes me feel put together. Absolutely. And sometimes it's one of those things where it's like, if I can't afford it, obviously, I won't get it done. There have definitely been months recently where I'm like, I really can't afford to get my nails right, done. Right, of course. You but make, it's make like, decisions. But if I can do it, I. it's one of those things that just makes me
1: feel more Complete. like me. Yeah, I mean, and yeah, I was having a conversation with my coworker about that today because she came in and she was like, Oh you look fancy today and I was like literally I just put lipstick on (laughs)
2: like I'm like that's the only thing I've done I just put lipstick on. That's That's the only difference. Because I'm so bad at doing makeup. So, like, if I'm, like, glitzing up, I'm, like, I do my eyebrows. I put mascara on. And then I'm, like, lipstick.
1: And it changes. (sighs) It it not only changes the way people see you, but it changes the way you feel about yourself. Yeah. And so I was having a conversation with her where I was saying it is a goal for me. Because usually when I go out on the weekends, I think I look pretty good. Like, I do myself up. I go out. I look nice. On the weekdays at work, I look like a hobgoblin. And it's fine. Like, I'm like, I don't care. But it is a goal for me in 28, uh, 2019 as part of my self-care to try to put more effort into myself. Yeah. When I, because it changes the way you feel about yourself when you're out in the world. It yeah, changes the way you that, present with
2: the world. I did that when I was in high school. My junior year of high school, I literally wore sweatpants every day. And my senior year, I was like, I'm going to wear jeans four out of five days to school. Yeah, because it just it, like just and it's, it's a not for on. it's not for
1: anyone else. No, it's just it's a... because it changes the way I move through the world. Yeah, whenever I feel more confident about like I was telling her, I went and bought Anthony got me a Sephora gift card for Christmas, and I went and got um, the Fenty foundation. Love it. And I kind of went to the mall on a whim, so I was already out running errands. I didn't have any makeup on. I was feeling real shitty like being in Sephora with no makeup on right yeah. like surrounded by all these girls who like are done up yeah and so she tested I got color match she tested the foundation on my face instantly as soon as I had like a little something on my face my self-confidence went way way up yeah you know what I mean and it wasn't for anyone else it's for me yeah to feel more confident in myself yeah. you know that's what that's it's what it's about. something that
2: makes you feel more like you. More like me. Yeah. Yep. And it, it exactly. changes the way
1: I present to the world. Yeah. And I don't think anybody should be denied that. No. You know? Actually, and I'm going to shout her out right now, even though she does not know I exist, but there's a uh, YouTuber called Talia, I think. Okay. And I'll, I'll link her in the show notes, but... She does a thing every year where she does 15 days of foundation where she reviews a different foundation every day for 15 days. And she does, like, drives the entire month where she gets donations to a thing called Product beauty Share or Project Beauty Share, which is um, a thing that provides beauty products to people in shelters or, like, homeless women because they talk about, what a difference it makes in the lives of women who can't afford things like shampoo or something like, you know, an eyeshadow or mascara or, like, something like that. It really does change the way they go out and face the world. It makes them more
2: confident at job interviews, you know? Exactly. And it just reminds me of, like, I don't think it's really even related, but it reminded me of, like, when my grandma, who's, you know, blind and deaf and has dementia, she wore lipstick and got her hair done to the day she died and her nails done. It, she couldn't see it. She, you no. Know, no one else around her, but there was something about just having that that made her still feel like more of herself. She self. put her armor on, yeah. you know? And, yeah, I think,
1: that that's, I think that that's special. So, um, I don't know. I, I, I had a lot of fun talking to you about this subject. Yeah. And I know it was maybe a little all over the place, kind of talking about different forms of self-care. Yeah. But I think it's something that it's important to talk about. Yeah. And I think that people should not feel guilty about about their self-care. And I know that I there's a lot of memes out there that can make you feel dumb. Which are
2: still great. <laughs> Which are funny. Um, we're not hating on. We totally get They're it. They're very funny. But also, you know, make sure that you take time to, to really be introspective. You know, for me, spending time with my friends, having a good conversation, talking to somebody on the phone. Absolutely. Reading a good book. You know, those are all good, good, good things. And I also really like to just sometimes take a minute to journal... To look into myself, focus on my breathing, um, question why I feel a certain way, and kind of work through it myself. And I just feel like there is great importance in that in your work life, your personal life, and all over. It's not something to gloss over. And find what works for you. Maybe it's not putting on a face and makeup.
1: Maybe it's, you know, doing yoga every evening. Who knows? Like, find out the thing that you love to do. Maybe it's embroidery. Maybe it's reading. Maybe it's crocheting. Maybe
2: it's taking a class of some sort. Yeah. There's
1: all kinds of different forms of self-care. What it really means is kind of getting to the root of who you are and figuring
2: that out for Girl, yourself. Girl, do you remember we used to do our nails all the time and crochet together yes. for like hours? Yes,
1: Self-care. I still love to crochet.
2: I love to do, like, I haven't like in a while. I haven't either, but I, I, I do love it. love it. I still love it so much. And, there is, and it is cathartic. It is so it's cathartic. It's absolutely cathartic. When I was in treatment, I just remember I saw this psychiatrist, and when I was getting really worked up, I would go so fast. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't have to look. I would just go so, so, so fast. And he actually gave me this idea where I would pick colors about how I was feeling and crochet those colors and I still have that blanket it's like the blanket that I made all through treatment mm-hmm. and all the colors mean something to how I felt that day yeah and like you know I think that's just, very cool yeah, yeah and I and I you know a lot of it is really really sad and dark and things like that but I like that I still have that blanket because you can you can even see through the can progression pinpoint. of the colors yeah. mm-hmm. how things have started to get better and things yeah, like that and absolutely that was always a really great thing absolutely for me to do. So, we
1: hope you guys enjoyed this episode. We enjoyed having the conversation. If you want to share your forms of self-care with us, because I always find that interesting. I like to know. Anthony gets on to me sometimes where he's just like, you don't need to do your makeup. You look so pretty without your makeup. And I'm like, that's not why I do it. For me, makeup is like therapy. I enjoy it. It, like, relieves a lot of my stress and tension. And it's
2: fun. And it's fun. Can you believe that I used to, like do my makeup for fun and then dance around the house. I love it. Yes, I can
1: believe that. I never do
2: it anymore because I'm like, I'm, I don't want to wash it off. I'm lazy. I do my makeup <laughs> for fun
1: sometimes. Like, just for fun, even though yeah. I know I'm going to wash it off. Yeah. So, you know, I love hearing other people's forms of self-care like so do what I. what kind of lets out your stress. Yeah. So if you want to share that with us or if you have a sister solidarity story to share or you have an ask me anything question, we need those by the 14th yep. for our ask me anything episode. You guys have been so amazing. We've gotten so many great questions. Yep. So Please send anything that you have if you just want to chat to us at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com or you can DM us on Instagram at Angry Neighborhood Feminist. You can also get us on Facebook. We have a Facebook group and a Facebook page, business page. Um, and you can also get us on our rarely used Twitter, YAMF Podcast, Y A N F Podcast. You can also rate and review us on iTunes. We are still doing Reviews Day Tuesday. I'm sorry. The last two Tuesdays, it, it was just holidays. I totally
2: forgot. Yeah. Yeah, because it was
1: holidays. Like, last Tuesday was New Year's Day, and the Tuesday before that was Yeah, um, I just, my Christmas brain's been turned Day. off. So I just, I just wasn't, like focused in on that but yeah. we are still doing reviews day tuesday so please leave us a review on itunes we're on facebook we look at both of those mm-hmm. and we post them every tuesday to our instagram page yep. um is there anything else
2: uh if you guys want to listen to us on radio public that'd be super cool yeah listen
1: to us on radio public and i've had people ask me questions about this actually listen we are happy for you to listen to us wherever you oh, listen to definitely. us Definitely, radio public monetizes our listens if you listen on your phone, on your phone app. If you're Mm. listening on the computer, it doesn't monetize, but we're still grateful for your listens. So if that's how you've been doing it, we're fine with that. But if you listen through the phone app, uh, it does monetize our listens. Got it. I
2: didn't even know that. Yeah. Yeah. All right, you guys. So with all of that being said, we encourage you
1: to To rage rage John.
2: Bye.
0: Here's a quick question for you. How did you sleep last night? If your battle for a good night's sleep feels relentless, I have the answer. It's a podcast called Sleepwave with meditations and hypnosis created to help you fall asleep. My relaxation techniques will help you feel calm and ready for sleep with soft music that will help you fall asleep in minutes. Most listeners never hear the end of an episode, so search Sleepwave on your favorite podcast app and find out why over a million people have fallen asleep to my voice.
3: Hi, I'm Alexis Ohanian. You may know me as one of the co-founders of Reddit, but more recently, a large part of my identity is being a father to my two wonderful daughters. In my podcast, Business Dad, I'm hoping to open up the conversation about balancing careers and family the one thing i constantly hear successful people say without fail is that they wish they'd spent more time with their kids that's time no one can get back so i decided to create business dad to engage in the conversation about how we're spending our time now providing a forum for successful dads to share their joys and challenges of being a working parent you'll get to hear from a wide range of business dads from rain wilson and guy Raz to todd carmichael and shane battier And while this podcast will talk about business and will definitely be featuring dads, I think everyone can learn something from these incredible conversations as we unpack the expectations we all have about careers, relationships, and ourselves. Business Dad is available now, so be sure to listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.